Welcome to Podcast PD, the podcast. This is the podcast for K-12 educators who want anytime, anywhere professional development. We are going to dive deep into the education topics that you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day, but you'll have a lot more fun with AJ Bianco, Stacey Lindas, and me, Chris Nessie. to another episode of Podcast PD, the podcast. My name is Chris Nessie. I am from the House of EdTech podcast on chrisnessie.com. Thank you for joining us for this anytime, anywhere bit of professional development. I am joined as always by my Podcast PD compañera and compañero, Stacy Lindis and AJ Bianco. Mr. Bianco, how are you, sir? Mr. Nessie, things are going very well in this wonderful evening. Uh, how are things on your end? Very good. I just released episode 85 of the House of EdTech podcast. So it's yes. very exciting as we march towards episode 100. I listened to episode 85. I, I appreciate your thoughts and I agree with many of your thoughts. And as usual, I have a thoughts of my own, but that's for another time, another station. <laughs> Stacy, how are you? I'm doing all right. I have beef with you right now, though. Two things. Actually, one is um, I tip my hat to you, sir, for the Cinco de Mayo reference with the compañero and compañera. However, I don't like how AJ gets to call you Mr. Nessie. Just saying. Oh, that, well, because I called him Mr. Bianco. So Does not he, led, he led with it. So I went with it. All right. I'm sorry. Chris says I can't even call him Chris Nessie. But doesn't his his name lends itself so well to the first and last? No, it doesn't. It lends itself to last name. And you know me long enough to do that. No, I, I, can't, that. I can't just call you Nessie, but like you're Chris Nessie. There's just something about that. I think because I hear it so much in your podcast. No spaces, Chris Nessie. No spaces. <laughs> no spaces. All right. So now that we're very mindful of what we're going to call me, let, let's get on track with what exactly we're going to be doing here on this episode of the podcast. Let's preface it by saying everything we're about to talk about and who we're going to speak with, all the notes and links can be found at podcastpd.com slash seven. And that is the number seven. So Stacy. Why don't you take it away and get us into tonight's content? Today, we are speaking with Annie Rosenberg. Annie is a TCNJ graduate and a fifth grade teacher from Central Jersey. She is a passionate educator who likes to experiment with technology in the classroom. Outside of the classroom, Annie teaches yoga to adults and kids. And today we're going to have Annie on Podcast BD to talk to us about mindfulness. Annie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your educational background and a little bit about your mindfulness background? Sure. Um, I'm a fifth grade teacher. This is my fourth year teaching. And I really started with with all this because I've been practicing yoga for about six years. And then a few years ago, I participated in a mindfulness-based kind of food cleanse that got me interested in mindfulness kind of as another aspect of yoga. And after learning more about it, I got in touch with a former teacher in my district, Trish Mealy, who now works in schools and corporations as kind of an outside provider with mindfulness. And she came and did a mindfulness training at my school where we took um, the Mindful Schools Mindfulness Fundamentals course. Um, and that helped us kind of develop our own practice. Then we took the um, next course, the Educators Essentials, which kind of gives you the curriculum and teaches you how to bring mindfulness into your classroom. Um, so I used that this year and I did my 
graduate school research on mindfulness and also completed my 200-hour yoga teacher training. So now I'm using mindfulness and yoga with my students and then also teaching it um, outside at a studio. Cool. Now, is that mindfulness class that Trish taught, is that the one that I attended for the, I think it was six weeks after school? Yeah. Yes. It was eight weeks after school, I think, one hour a week. And then she came in and did one lesson in each classroom of the teachers that participated. And since I'm not a classroom teacher, that didn't happen with me. And then you said you took it a little bit further and you had a second level of mindfulness schools? Yeah, Mindful Schools has the two courses. The first course is the fundamentals, which helps you develop your own practice and understand what mindfulness is. And then the educator essentials is diving into how to bring it into your classroom with your students. Now, you mentioned that mindfulness is, you know, being aware, noticing what's happening around you and that it's more than being calm and sitting still. Now, when you said being calm and sitting still, the thing that popped into my mind that I'm, that I am familiar with, uh, is meditation. Is there a difference between mindfulness and meditation or are they the same? I think usually when people think of meditation, they do think of someone, you know, sitting still for hours with their legs crossed kind of in some funky way. Um, and mindfulness can be a meditation. You can do, it's called mindfulness meditation when you do have a formal kind of sitting practice. Um, where you could even just do it for like two minutes a day, just sitting, focusing on your breathing um, and kind of letting all your thoughts just go in and out. Um, but there are so many other ways to practice mindfulness that are not just kind of sitting there like in meditation. You can practice mindful walking, mindful eating, kind of just paying attention to everything that's going on around you. Um or what I like to tell a lot of people is to choose kind of one activity that you do every day that it, that's just like mindless. You don't even think about like washing your hands or brushing your teeth or like chopping vegetables, something like that. Um, and kind of practice that mindfully of just being aware of everything that's um, going on while you're doing that activity. Is that the same as being present in what you're doing? Yeah, like kind of when you're, if I would choose washing my hands, like just kind of being aware of the water on my hands and how the soap feels and the temperature and things like that. And and since you started to talk about it, that people should kind of pick, you know, something or maybe a couple of things that when you do them, be present in those activities, you open the door. What is that for you? Um, I kind of choose like a different activities. I started off kind of just like, you know, in the shower, washing my hair. And that was the first thing I kind of did and just noticing what's happening while you're doing that. But I practice a lot of mindful breathing. And for me, that really helps me stay in the present because breathing is something that's happening right now. It's not happening in the past or in the future. Um, so if I find my mind wandering to like what I'm making for dinner or, you know, that lesson that maybe didn't go so well, I just come back to focusing on my breathing, inhaling, exhaling. Um, and that kind of keeps me in this moment. Okay. So, so I'm not good for things like this because my mind is always going or I'm always doing something. I'm fidgeting, I'm watching TV or, or I'm looking around something. How do I, how do I stay calm and and, and just like focus on the one thing I'm doing. Cause even like you said, washing my hair in the shower, right? In the shower for me, all of a sudden I'll turn around. I'll look at the, 
the shower door and I'm writing notes in the shower door to myself. Like, here's what I have to do when I get out of here. I know it's silly, but that's, that's, that's what I do. No. <laughs> 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 yes, yes. So what do I have to do when I get out of here? No, but like seriously, if I'm thinking about the day that's ahead of me or, or reflecting on the day, how do I turn off the brain and really be mindful of surroundings? Yeah, I feel like a lot of people feel like they can't do mindfulness or they can't do meditation because of that reason. But like we're what I tell my kids is we're humans and we have to think we have to have thoughts or we wouldn't be alive, basically. So mindfulness is not saying that you should never have any thoughts in your mind or your mind has to be completely like empty. But it's kind of that non-judgmental piece of just saying, okay, I have a thought, I'm going to let it go and I'm going to come back to my breathing. Whether you have to do that like 50 times in one minute, that's perfectly fine. And as you practice, it kind of gets a little bit easier. Does that help? <laughs> it, it is helpful. Uh, I'm just trying to think, even like the breathing, I'm sitting here, I'm like, am I breathing? Like, of course, obviously I'm breathing, but am I breathing right now or am I just kind of going through the motions of what I do on a daily basis? I think I that's try- the point of mindfulness. Like if you I, I, know what Annie's saying, it's a, it's about being a little more cognitive and aware of those everyday activities, the breathing, especially because that is something that you're doing 24 seven. Well, Stacey, if you, if you remember, you let me, let me try on your Apple watch that one time and you put on that app for me. And how many times that thing buzzed like, hello, hello, you're not breathing the right way. No, it's no. So, <laughs> so, all right. A little bit of clarity here. So what AJ is talking about was he put my Apple watch on his wrist because he was playing with it because he is a fidgeter and I'm laughing my butt off because he's describing himself and I see it all the time. But he put the watch on and I turned on the breathing app for him. And the breathing app just, it, it, it like gives you little pulses to tell you when to breathe in. And then it pulses once to let you breathe out. And then as it pulses, you're supposed to breathe in. It's just, it's supposed to help you with your breathing and to give you a pattern for your breathing. There are other apps that do that as well. And we'll talk about them later in this show, but that's, that's what that was. That freaked you out because you didn't understand what was going on in your wrist. Well, I couldn't even focus on that. And it's telling me what to do. I'm just, I just sitting there. I'm going to take a backseat for a little bit. I want to, I want to hear more. No, AJ, AJ, I totally get you because I meditate every day, which you guys know, and I do a guided meditation Halfway through, I, I start thinking about what I'm angry about or what's making me anxious or all, of, like you said, all of the things you have to do. Um, but I meditate after I shower, so I don't get to write any of that down while I'm in there. And I meditate after BFC 530. So a lot of times I'm I'm still thinking about that conversation. So if I gave myself a few minutes in between, I might be able to have a stiller, a stiller mind um, that isn't focused and buzzing around. And the woman through the guided meditation will say, you know, if if you find yourself drifting into thought, bring yourself back, place no judgment on the thought that you're having, and just come back to your breathing. And then she gives you strategies to focus on your breathing. So sometimes it's like, where do you feel the breath? Do you feel the breath in your nose and on your nostrils? Or do you feel the breath in your shoulders as they move up and down? Or do you feel it in your chest or your belly? And it's to give you a, a different place to focus your thought to bring it back to your breathing. Am I explaining that right, Annie? Yeah, definitely. And I think like if you're going to kind of start a formal practice, which I probably don't even do it as much as you do. I try as much as I can, but I find it hard to have like that formal sitting practice. But I would even just start with one minute 
like putting on a timer and just sitting with yourself for one minute. And like, that's an accomplishment in itself. <laughs> so Annie, with everything that, that you've said about mindfulness and what AJ has said and, you know, being present or not being present, I feel that while I don't do it formally or with intent, I find that now that I think about it, a lot of my day, I'm really not thinking about anything, you know, whether I'm when I'm driving to school or between classes for me personally, I'm really good at just blanking out. And I don't mean like blackout, but like, I don't let a lot of things hang on my back. Um, I, I don't worry about a lot of stuff. So I'm, I feel like I am a lot of times in the moment. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. I feel like that's definitely kind of something that's one of a kind with a lot of teachers. Cause I feel like normally you're hearing teachers saying things like they've got too many things on their minds. So I think a formal practice might be a little easier for you since you already kind of feel that way than someone else who kind of has a million thoughts running through their mind. Chris, are you sure what you're describing isn't like, like autopilot? Like when you say driving, you have no thoughts. Like sometimes I find that I can get from West Windsor Plainsboro all the way home and I don't really remember making turns and all of that was autopilot. So what you're describing is completely different, right? Yeah, completely different. I mean, there, there are times where I, I will, you know, on my commute, I won't listen to music. I won't even listen to podcasts and I will, you know, drive, I will just drive in silence and I will just kind of be with my thoughts and I will be obviously focusing on where I'm going, but notice the tree. I like, I look, I see the trees, I see the sky. Um, and that's just like my commute. But in general, you know, I don't typically have a thousand thoughts running through my head, you know. If a thought comes along, I will focus on it and, you know, I will deal with it. But for the most part, I'm just kind of, you know, like a feather in the breeze. Nice. That conjured up a Forrest Gump type of image for me. That's what I was going for. That That's amazing because that's just not me. Me neither. That's just not me. It could be. No. I, I, I would love that to be the case, but I highly doubt that. Agreed. Annie, how can uh, people like AJ and myself, who are relatively new to this concept, how can we bring this into our classroom? And where do you recommend that people like us get started? There's a bunch of different apps and things you can use um, in the classroom. We use Airtime, which is on the Go Noodle website. Uh, it's definitely a little more for younger kids, but they kind of put on a video of this balloon going up and down and you breathe with the balloon. Um, I'd say it's probably not more than a minute or so. And then at the end, it kind of takes you around the United States. Um, so like you'll start in New Jersey and then go somewhere else like the next time you do it and it'll give you facts about that state. Um, so they like that and they have an airtime space, which takes you to different planets, things like that. Um but you could always use calm.com too. I know a lot of teachers in my school who uh, use that with their students um, that maybe don't necessarily have, like they don't have a um, lot of training on mindfulness, but the calm works for them. Um, with those, those, the shortest ones I think are three minutes, um, which could be a little long for the kids if they're just starting. But if that was like after gym or lunch or recess, I think, um, the three minutes would be fine for them. We also, in the beginning of the year, um, when I introduce it, I usually use some picture books 
um, about mindfulness and things like that for the younger kids. And I also teach them about the brain science behind it of why mindfulness actually works and why when you're stressed and you're angry, your brain kind of shuts down and doesn't let you kind of make um, important decisions or remember what's on your test, things like that, and how mindfulness can help your brain kind of get back to neutral. Um, so I think that works, that would work well in a middle school or high school classroom, kind of showing them the science behind why it works. Um, and then with that, we also use like a glitter jar, which I've seen have become a little popular lately, where you just fill like a mason jar with warm water and glitter glue and shake it up. And then you watch the glitter fall to the bottom. And that kind of acts as your thoughts being all shaken up and then settling down as you breathe and as you watch the glitter. Um, and I have one student who kind of lives with the glitter jar. He made two of his own. One time he told me glitter jars are lifesavers. Um, and that his that is his go-to mindfulness strategy. <laughs> I like that. Glitter jars are lifesavers. Yep. Annie, do your kids have um, favorite mindfulness activities or do you have a favorite one that you like introducing to your students? Um, I love the autopilot activity to start off with where um, you have all the kids up and then you say you're going to give them two commands, walk and stop. And they, you know, just walk around the room. When you say stop, they stop. When you say walk, they walk. Um, And then you add in jump and crouch. And then you switch, walk, and stop. So when you say stop, they walk. And when you say walk, they stop. And then eventually you'll switch, jump, and crouch. Um, And there's another one, clap and name, which so by the end, they're doing everything the opposite. Uh, And they think that's a lot of fun. And then at the end, you kind of have a conversation about being on autopilot of what happens when your brain is just doing things in your routine and you're not even thinking about it and you're not kind of in the present moment and you might miss something that's going on, whether it's a conversation with a friend or the math lesson or the sun that's outside, but you're just completely on autopilot. I think sometimes that kind of why mindfulness could be important to them. Annie, I'm amazed by all this just because, you know, you're saying autopilot and how everything would like calm down and your thoughts would become your own. I'm sitting here, I'm getting a little more anxious thinking about how I would calm myself down. I'm sitting here like, I can't stop fidgeting and I'm trying to like calm myself down any way I possibly can. And, and I appreciate the ideas. I think the biggest thing for me, like, of course, I know you said that I'd have to learn to practice first and kind of make it work for me. But when it comes to middle schools or young adults, how do I get this started with them who already think they're too cool and don't need to be bothered with something like this? Yeah, I think, like I said before, I think the brain science could work for some kids um, who are more of like a science mind. Um, But there's also so much out there right now with like sports teams using mindfulness and big companies and things like that. So I think maybe showing them how it's like really this big thing that's happening right now and all these big sports stars and celebrities and um, all those kind of people are using it too. Maybe that would kind of get them to buy in a little bit more. But 
Now, like I said before, it, it may seem like they're not into it, but they really might be still getting something from it. Or maybe they might have a realization one day that, you know, this could work for me or maybe not. And that's okay. <laughs> Uh, any, I, I, we appreciate you being here tonight. Um, I know I learned a lot and I'm going to kind of walk away with a little bit more calm and relaxation. I'm going to throw one more question away. Mm -hmm. All right. If you could change something, anything about professional development, or if you could design your ideal PD, what would it look like? Mm, that's a tough one. <laughs> would it include mindfulness? Oh yeah, totally. Like, do you mean how PD is like given or what kind of PD is given? You, you could take it any way you want because this is podcast PD. Yes. So this is okay. your world. This is I your think, world. You're designing professional development. Um, I think every PD session should start off with mindfulness. <laughs> um, we had a faculty meeting where it was kind of like a split meeting. Um, where half of the faculty went to my session, a couple other teachers on mindfulness, and then half went to a, a session on growth mindset. Um, and when the teachers from my session went to the other one, the presenters from that session actually said they saw a noticeable difference in the um, kind of the work of the teachers who have just done mindfulness. They they thought they were kind of got started faster and were a little more centered and focused on the task. So we thought that was really cool. Um, and our admin is really supportive of practicing mindfulness um, before faculty meetings and things like that, which I think um, would be super helpful. And again, you don't want to spend like do a 10 minute meditation um, before a faculty meeting, like a few minutes, I think. Um, would be awesome and would just hopefully get the teachers a little more ready to take in whatever they're about to learn. For people who are listening, they may have their own questions. What are the best ways that people can get in touch with you and connect with you to learn even more about mindfulness? Well, um, I am on Twitter. My handle is om in edu, O-M in edu. So that would be um, an awesome place. That's a great Twitter handle name. It actually was Stacy's idea. So Annie, do you want to stick around for the rest of our show? We're, next up, we have our What We're Learning segment where you could participate and let us know what you've been learning recently. Um, sure, but I might not. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All righty. Trust so, me, I haven't learned anything recently either. So, <laughs> sounds like it's another episode where I go first. <laughs> so what we're learning, and I, I will start off. Today, the day we record this, uh, I got to participate in my birthday present from my wife, and she signed me up for a fire-making class that I attended for three hours uh, through the Monmouth County Park System here in New Jersey. I got to go to Turkey Swamp Park uh, in Freehold, and for that three hours, I learned all about fire. Insert your Beavis and Butthead joke here. <laughs> Oh, trust me, I was laughing when you said that earlier, and I can't wait to hear all about what you do for three hours of fire making. 
I learned, let, let me give you the overview. I learned multiple ways to start fires where not, not so much like survivor man or, you know, lost and alone type stuff. Obviously the, the, the guy who taught it was, was phenomenal. He's a chiropractor by day and literally a fire junkie by night. He's got a degree in anthropology and I'll include links to his stuff in, in the show notes for this episode. Uh, but he's working on a book about fire. It's called quest for fire. That was the name of the course. Um, and, and it was, it was great. It, it, he started off by simply saying, you know, if you're going hiking, don't not bring matches or a lighter with you, <laughs> you know, but so it wasn't about like survival, like you're lost or stranded, but it was just really cool to one have obviously be a, be cautious with fire because it obviously is the most destructive thing on earth. Um, but he had a, for example, a, a National Geographic magazine that talked about, you know, the top 100 inventions of all time. Number one was fire, which included other things like the internet, email, and all, just all these phenomenal things that we think of. But the most important thing we ever invented as humans was fire. Um, and I just learned some really different ways to start them, keep them going and just, it, it was cool. So I, I really enjoyed it and has nothing to do with education, has nothing to do with technology. Uh, just scratches that itch I have to learn. Chris, that's, that's very cool. <laughs> that is super cool. <laughs> I, have, I have no words for that. Three hours of, of learning different techniques. Somehow I think I would walk away with a burn. I burn myself on everything. <laughs> At the end, I, he did, he asked for feedback like a good presenter will do, and I, I commented, you know, that I'm a teacher and I would do more. And I it was three hours. I I would take a four or five hour class in this and just continue to learn and try these different techniques. It was it was that much fun. That's it was cool. outdoors, right? Yeah, it was outdoors. <laughs> in a wooded area. Yes. Because Turkey Swamp Park is pretty wooded. We were in an area where they recently did a controlled burn. Okay. And it rained for a part of it. AJ, it looks like you uh, added something to the show notes. So I learned how to set fires. What are you learning about? Okay. So my learning is taking me all over the place. So in my school district for our teacher evaluations, we have something called an SDGP, which is a self-directed growth plan. And this year, my growth plan with a team of teachers was using formative assessment to help uh, students in a blended learning classroom. The next year, I'm already thinking about, well, we're already thinking about our SDGP for next year. And I am leaning towards using a student-centered classroom for differentiation. And I, I have been pulling articles and looking for people who use student-centered classroom in their, in their field, in their classroom. And uh, I am still trying to find people who can kind of lead me in the right direction of how their classroom or their students experience in their classroom has really improved you know, from a traditional way of teaching versus the student centered uh, method. You know, I'm looking for somebody who's either experienced student differentiation or even just a teacher, just trying to throw different ideas together. So my classroom is already basically a flipped and blended classroom to an extent. And I want to add a student centerpiece and personalization of learning so that students really walk away with something a little different, but I have to show evidence of growth. 
So I'm trying to research as much as I can. And I'm reaching out to you, the listeners, that if you know of anybody, or if you do this yourself, oh, it sounds like Stacy knows someone. Well, we'll talk about that. But honestly, if you're doing something with student-centered, student-centered learning or personalized learning or learning menus or anything of the sort, and you have seen or experienced growth in your classroom, please feel free to reach out to me or us or Podcast PD. And I would be grateful as I have this to do for an entire year next year. So I can present this to my administration at the end of the year in 2018. Okay. AJ, I have two people for you. Or actually, I have more than two people. The one, the first person is Paul Solars. He wrote um, Learn Like a Pirate. Yes, of course. And his entire book is about the student-centered classroom. And then um, some other experts that I can point you towards are people are the newer teachers in my district. So Annie would be one of them. I know she does a lot with um, learning act- or learning activity menus. I forget what they're called, but it's part of our IDE training that teachers are required to take within their first two years of being in district. Annie, can you talk about that a little bit more? Um, yeah, I mean, we I've used like totally twelve menus, um, but we use a lot of that in our math workshop, which is a big push now um, of just kids getting to choose between different kind of leveled activities. AJ, I will look for teachers who do that in social studies as well. Um, those, those, I forget what they're, are they called learning activity menus, Annie? There's, there's tic-tac-toe boards, um, choice boards. I mean, they're called a bunch of different things. Yeah. But it's basically a list of activities, right? And student-led conferences. Student-led. All right, cool. So look at this. Starting off already. See? Put a question oh, out there. Oh, that's another thing. We can have Annie come back for student-led conferences and do some PD on that. I would love her to come back for that because I would love to actually learn how they're supposed to work. Oh, she does an amazing job. An amazing job. Good, because my experience and training has been less than stellar. Yeah, I haven't had any training, so... <laughs> Experiences of training. Doing it right. <laughs> but the work that she does with her kids, and she actually delivered some PD in, in our building last year on uh, when we were talking about different conference models, and Annie talked about student-led conferences and the work that she does with her kids because I witnessed a lot of it. So, Stacy, in addition to being educational matchmaker here, uh, what are you <laughs> le- what are you learning? So um, I'm so busy being matchmaker that I've really not focused on too much new learning. Um, I did have Adam Schoenbart help me with some Google Sheets work that I was doing um, to take a Google form where I was basically I had parents in my home district submit um, order forms for something that we call STARS, which is like staff teacher appreciation and recognition, which I actually stole from the district where I work. And um, we, through the digital Google form, I got this wonky, crazy spreadsheet that Adam helped me fix. And then because I am not foreign or not Google Sheets proficient, I was thinking of all different kinds of Stacy ways to fix the data and put it into two single columns so that I can then do an autocrat merge, which I am pretty adept at. Um, I was able to create invoices using the information that I got in the original Google spreadsheet, but um, taking, I had too many fields. And so I have to rethink some of that. So a lot of it is going to be me, be me reflecting on 
what needs there are definitely definitely some needs for improvement for next year and so I'll be thinking about that. And then my other PD, which isn't really mine, but um, Mr. Lindis has been dealing with our washing machine, which he has completely taken apart our front loader. If you ever want to see the guts and and the disgusting things that happen inside your washing machine, take it apart. I will tell you that your washing machine is responsible for eating some of your socks. We found those in like the catch-all drain. That was quite disgusting. Mm -hmm. I see your faces. And then... um, and so Chris, he was like a YouTube like YouTube researcher looking for like, how am I going to save myself like several thousand dollars in getting a new um, set of, you know, because I couldn't have a dryer that didn't match. Because you can't just have one. <laughs> no, no, because your dryer has to match your washer. And right now they are beautiful and they match, but they are not working properly. It Honestly, it looked like the entire, um, the entire washer basin separated from the front of of the washer it's kind of interesting so that's those are all of the learning activities taking place in the lindis household this weekend nice annie what are you learning um unrelated to education too um kind of in the process of buying my first house so kind of doing a lot of research about that. Um, Congratulations. Good luck. Mortgages. Thank you. Yeah. That's why I need to learn about it, you know, mortgages and locations and taxes and all that kind of stuff. So I'm trying to do a lot of research on that. And where are you going for your education? The Google. The Google. <laughs> I would also recommend talking to people who have also done it within the last two years. Yes. Yeah. I know a bunch of people, so they're going to help us. So with that, I think we can transition over to feedback because we got some feedback since our last episode. So I'm going to cue this up and then we can react to it. And actually, it's like a, a personal message that was directed right at AJ. So here it is. AJ, I did not know you were in a podcast um, with Chris Nessie or that you have a podcast with Chris Nessie. I'm listening to House of Ed Tech right now and he just mentioned um the podcast pd and i immediately like aside from like hearing your name and like oh i know him I, I i think that's such an amazing idea like why don't districts allow people to attend or listen to professional development through a podcast so i have to check it out that's totally awesome i you know i've been thinking of wishing again my districts that won't ever do it but uh, would do webinars um, but a podcast is just, just as cool. So very nice. I'll have to check it out. So that, that bit of feedback came to us from Kelly and AJ was kind enough to, uh, get that audio into my hands. So go AJ. What do you think? And when I heard that this morning, when she said that to me, I was first of all, amazed that more districts don't do podcasting or webinars as part of PD and growth for our teachers. And, She's onto something. And I think that we need to make a push to definitely find a way to have administration listen to us and figure out ways that we can use it in our classroom and, and, and beyond. And if it's professional development hours for teachers, why not? I mean, how many podcasts have we recommended and listened to that have actually helped us in our, in our profession? Countless. 
Is that the answer? I mean, I think that's why we have a podcast about it now. No, no, no. It's the truth. I'm not not saying, hey, administration, here's a a comedy show I listen to. But if it's something you're going to sit there, take notes and, and, and use in the classroom the next day, you know, on the way there, you're like, hey, I just learned something new. Let's try it. Now that's that's professional development that people are going out of their way to try to try to use to benefit them and their students. Yeah, but the Agreed. problem is, and I'm going to be a little snarky and sarcastic here, uh, which I may or may not take out. We'll see. <laughs> um, districts aren't going to get behind that unless the podcast is, you know, three and a half or four hours long and they watch you listen to it because too many districts are putting an emphasis on seat time and not actual content and learning. I understand. See, I think so, that's ridiculous. Go ahead, I don't think it has to be an hour. Like it doesn't have to be, I listen to a 55 minute podcast. Here's 55 minutes. Make it some kind of requirement that for every hour you listen to, you get 30 minutes or, or, or something. Cause then if you're going to listen to it one time, people are going to listen to it more often. And if it's relevant and it's going to help them, then that's fine. And what I was telling Kelly after that, I said, look, even if your school doesn't allow you to get the hours, pass it on to somebody else. And then that's the, that's the PD that we need. Yeah. So there are two parts to that, right? So the first part being, um, you know, it should be like reading a book. You get, you get hours for reading books, you know, depending on what counts in your district, but in our district, professional reading counts. So it could be just like that. But then the other piece is what AJ just said, pass it on to somebody else. And that's domain four in the Danielson framework. So, you know, taking part in those larger communities and being helpful in in your community by sharing resources. I believe that's domain four, as I understand it. Uh, that sounds good. How many hours should one get for creating two podcasts? Uh, I think you're done. <laughs> uh, shameless plug, House of Ed Tech, chrisnessy.com. There you go. Never heard of that one. Never heard <laughs> uh, So I, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. AJ, take us home, my man. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to us today. Please feel free to continue to connect with Podcast PD. We are on the Twitter, the Facebook, and the Instagram, uh, Podcast PD. You can check us out on Facebook, Facebook, not Facebook, <laughs> through Facebook, through Facebook. No, that, that's part of the podcast. Facebook is uh, podcastpd.com slash Facebook. Uh, you can connect with me on Twitter at AJ Bianco. On the Instagram at AJ Bianco. And where can we find you, Stacy? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at IronTech. And my blog is irontech.me. Chris? Uh, I am still creating the House of Ed Tech over on chrisnessy.com. Would love to have you check out uh, my, my pride and joy that is the podcast. And please connect with me on Twitter at Mr. Nessie. And you can also connect with the show on Instagram at House of Ed Tech. And Annie, one more time, where can um, our listeners find you? On Twitter at Ohm and Edu. Yay, it sounds so zen. It is a pretty cool handle. <laughs> it is. It is a cool handle. <laughs> All right, that's it for today. Our next episode comes back to you on May 24th, and we will see you next time. See ya. Good night. Podcast PD is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network. 
podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. For more, go to edupodcastnetwork.com.